Guys of a Certain Age is brought to you by no one. Absolutely no one, except these dudes walking down memory lane. Now let's head to the studio to see what they misremember next. It's a Barbie world, and we're just a little part of it. It's Robbie Koblenz, Guys of a Certain Age, alongside Jay Reed. You know, Jay, I saw a movie about a man oppressed by the system looking to find his way in the world. And I also saw Oppenheimer this last weekend. <laughs> I knew that was coming. I can't wait to hear about both of your 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 double feature. So slept through about twenty percent of Barbie. Went with uh, family members who really wanted to go see, and then was wide awake for the entirety of three hours of Oppenheimer. Oppenheimer was unbelievable. You ain't gonna say anything. Are to you it? saying that Barbie was believable? No, no. Barbie was good. <laughs> uh, very unexpected. Oppenheimer was unbelievable. Barbie was unexpected. Okay, I can live yeah. with that. So, are you planning to see either? I would like to see both. Yeah, I don't know if I'll get to them in the theater, but I definitely would like to see them if possible. I would highly recommend Oppenheimer in the theater if you have an opportunity to do it. Okay. So, and the bang is bigger. I, I tell you what, it uh, may be the best movie I've seen in the last five years. Wow. It should, um, I think, well, I think it should sweep a lot of, a lot of the awards. If there were ever award ceremonies if again. If there were, yes. Well, I'm going to take that and jump into my Geek of the Week, which is, you know, last week we talked about the Emmys. Well, so the TV Academy had hoped for a November air date for the Emmys. That has been pushed indefinitely. Already? Yeah, oh, okay. already. I know they were so, talking about it last time. We're so talking. Fox is planning for a January airing of hoping, the Emmys. Hoping, hoping, hoping. But we're just at an entertainment standstill for a while, which means you can get caught up on everything, Jay. Well, that's that wouldn't be terrible. I will not run out of anything, that's now, for sure. The thing is, you'll run out of stuff in about 18 to 24 months. Yeah, well, I actually heard that exact number yesterday, and it's but that would you know for all the things y'all have told me to watch and all the things that have been nominated in the Emmys that we talked about last week, that might give me time to see some of those things. Have you hit Secret Invasion at all yet? I finished yet. Yep. Ah, what you think? I haven't watched the last episode. Um, I it's not the best of the Marvel TV series, but some interesting things came out of it. I yeah. like some of the actors and the way that the roles they played, but. You know, and I guess it brought some context to a world that I knew nothing about anyway. Yeah. And probably would have been fine if I would still didn't. Would that be the squirrel world? The squirrel world. Yeah, the squirrel yeah. world. Um, I, I, I did not like Nick Fury in this. I didn't like... I, I felt like they did Samuel L. Jackson a big disservice. I did not like the way his character was portrayed. It was It was different, yeah. Yeah, it, we'll save that for. I guess we'll probably talk about that in full at some point. Maybe would, if if y'all finish it. Yeah, I don't know that Art's going to finish it up or not. Well, he sounded like he was he was into it enough to finish it. Yeah. It's only six episodes. That's what surprised me. I saw that there were six, and I thought, well, maybe just two or three more will drop. But then mm, no. opened it up last night. And it was the finale. Are you watching um, Strange New? How far into Strange New World? I'm are? about. Little over halfway through the first season, so I'm I'm behind. But second and third is not as many episodes, is it? Or am I? They're thinking, ten each. I really okay. Yeah. Well, then I'm, but I, that's the one I'm currently watching now. Like now, nothing else. Well, I guess Ahsoka starts next week. So, uh, isn't that right? As we record, it's the end of I July. believe so. Yeah. So yeah. it starts soon, and then there's something else coming out. I was thinking at the end of August, but anyway, I mean, I watch Ahsoka and all that, but when I'm 
binging, it's going to be strange. New world. So, uh, have you um, jumped on the suits bandwagon? No, I think my wife maybe has watched a little bit of it. I've seen the trailer a thousand times on whatever streaming service is coming on. So Netflix pulled Suits in, and it's been their number one streamer as we record this for like a week and a half. It's their number one streaming series. Uh, is it a new season of it? No, no, it went off. It went off air four years ago. There were nine seasons on uh, Lifetime, maybe. I couldn't tell you. Yeah. Uh, a lot of fun. I, I enjoyed it. I got into it like uh, the fourth or fifth season and um, watched it. I think I watched it on, maybe it was on Prime at that point. And that's the one that Meghan Markle? Yeah, that's that's in? kind of her breakthrough. So uh-huh. she plays a paralegal for like the first, well, I'm not going to tell you for how long. Okay. So. Um, but yeah, that was her breakthrough. And when she you got, won't spoil it for me. <laughs> yeah. Well, when she got married, a bunch of her cast members came over for the wedding. Okay. So, but, uh, it's a lot of fun. It is mindless entertainment. Just right. absolutely mindless. Um, so they, they rotate all kinds of guest stars through, um, Gina Torres is the managing partner of the law firm. And I love Gina Torres. She was, I, I first, was aware of Gina Torres and Firefly. So that's the Greek, um, the Greek, the geek connection there or the Greek connection or the French connection. It really just kind of depends. So, but if you're looking for something kind of mindless to watch, okay. Um, suits is a lot of fun. So Cause there's really not much else out there. That's mine. No, there's not, there's not. So, but anyway, that's my geek of the week. The Emmys have been pushed. So all our predictions, we may need to go back and revise, you know, in a couple of months, you know, before the Emmys actually happen. Oh, that's interesting. Our, you mean our selections? Our selections. Our, our selections. Are, are, yeah, our well, by that time, maybe we'll watch some of it. Well, aren't so I watched? You've watched uh, Succession, right? Yeah, yeah. And that was most of the nominations. So. Yeah, I would. That and Last of Us. Right, so. right. So I guess I well, heck, I've watched some. Look at me. Ooh. <laughs> wow, wow! You're a man of the world. It seemed like there was another one that I'd watched, but Last of Us for sure. Yeah. So. Mandalorian. Well, what's your uh, what's your geek of the week? I found something fascinating. Um, have you ever been that was it in Popular Mechanics? It was not. No, <laughs> no. But it's it is off the beaten path a bit. But um, I've, I'm not a collector of shoes. You know, I'm a collector of a lot of things, right? Uh huh. I'm not a collector of shoes. Is that I'll about wear, to change? I wear. Well, it depends on how much other people love me because I'm not going <laughs> to spend the money on this. But it's still a fascinating concept. Have you ever heard like of shoe drops? And I don't mean like the shoe dropped and, you know, but no, I don't, maybe basically again, I'm on the outskirts of this world at best, but it's like you're, these designer, you're beyond the laces, right? There you go. Um, designer shoes like that, if, that joke had soul, <laughs> but let's lace it, lace it up and get on with the uh, segment. Yes, let's do. Um, so this is, I'm treading you've thrown lightly. me now. You've thrown me now. <laughs> I'm treading lightly. Gosh. Do you stop. want to just finish? Uh, I can't stop. I can't stop. All right. So, so shoe it's drops. like when a famous pop culture person or athlete has their own version yeah. of a shoe sure. and it drops at a certain time, a certain day. and Like and an I've, album drop. Right. And I've seen pictures and heard stories of people who just collect sneakers and you go in and they have this massive closet yeah. and shoes that, that will never, never be worn. worn. Never yeah. worn, right. always in box, never taken out. Right. So this takes it to another level. I mean, this is happening as we speak. This shoe drop happened at, uh, we're recording at like 11 central 
and this happened at 11 Eastern. So we're just an hour into this shoe drop. And it's by a company called Kith. I'm not that familiar with them. They're a clothing, shooting, <laughs> clothing and shooting, uh, shooting. outlet. <laughs> Kith. And they're celebrating. <laughs> this is a Sith shoe right, drop right. at Kith. They're doing. A, they're celebrating, and they said the 60th anniversary of the X Men. Does that sound about right? Would this be a 60th anniversary yeah, time? Yeah. X Men. So they're celebrating that with a bunch of bunch of clothes. There's jackets and hats and all the usual stuff. But the really coolest thing is a shoe. It's all. It's based on. Um, I'm looking. I'm trying right. To so there's away. Beast, Cyclops, Gambit, oh, Rogue, Storm, and then there's Wolverine. But here's how they come. It comes in a sealed box, and it's based on Uncanny X-Men, which is, I guess, a series of, of comics at some point. Oh, yeah, it's the original series. And there's an A6 gel light. Yes, I love I, this is my geek, remember? I'm, okay, I'm coming with this. <laughs> sorry. Um, so, yeah, it's a, it's, a, it's a partnership with Asics, and But the, the shoes themselves just look like shoes. They're in the colors that have something to do with each character, you know, there's a connection there, but like the beast shoe is blue, the storm shoe is white, um, Cyclops is blue and yellow, right? So you've got six different characters, but there's seven different shoes. And first, let me tell you how they come. They come in a sealed box, so you buy the box of shoes, but you don't know what's in there. It's like opening a pack of trading cards, collectible cards, and not knowing what cards are in the pack. So there's nothing to indicate on the outside what shoe is inside. You open the box. It's got a tear-off thing. Inside that is yet another layer of mystery. There's, it comes in like in a Mylar bag like the Mylar uh, card pack would be. So you open it up, and whatever shoe you get is the shoe you get. There's no way to say, I want the Cyclops shoe and, and get the Cyclops shoe unless or, you're on the secondary market. I or guess. the Wolverine 1980 shoe. Right. The Wolverine 1980, I think, is the regular it, it, it is. So there's a blue and gold Wolverine shoes, like 1972 or 75. 75. It's okay. a 75 edition of blue, right. blue and gold. So this is like like in the card world, just say I'm you know, I'm a Jerry Rice card collector. If there's a Jerry Rice card in the upper deck pack, then there might be, you know, hundreds of those out in the world, but there might be twenties or tens of the same carbon in a hologram form. So you have the same carbon in a in a higher level, more rare, valuable form. Well this Wolverine shoe, the nineteen seventy five version, is only going to be like one in thirty six boxes of shoes. So it's the rare uh sought after shoe. And you also get a card. Um get a card of the character, whatever shoe it is, you get a card and there's eight different variants of the card. Some are PSA graded and come, you know, with the in a fancy pack, and and some are not. But you, I mean, you could go nuts to try to get all the shoes and all the cards. I mean, if you were just an Uber collector and and have money to burn, um, then it would take a lot to get them all. How much are they per per shoe? I think one ninety five per pair or per, per shoe per pair. You get both shoes. You get a whole pair when you buy the. This looks the box. really, really cool. And so they're dropping right now. Right, and the box is designed to be, I think, maybe the number one issue of that comic series. I didn't recognize it because I'm not. Even art might recognize the artwork, but um, it was designed on that Uncanny X Men series. So that's the. Uh, that is the X Men. Now that's that's not really that 
iconic of art, but okay. Well, know, anyway, but the box is supposed to look like a pack of cards, and then it literally has the the mylar, and, and then it's, it's got a card in it, but you don't know what shoe you're gonna get. You don't know what card you're gonna get with the shoe. Well, I'm looking and trying to buy one right now, but it's not letting me. That's kind of sad. It may be I, too late. It may be too late. So yeah, so that's pretty awesome. Yeah. Yep. The uh, they are completely sold out. Really already? Yeah. Well, see, I guess that's how those shoe drops work. I mean, that's kind of the thing is everybody gets online and just like me buying my food symposium tickets, you sitting right there. The Final sale, no returns or exchanges, two pairs per customer. And they're gone. I wanted to say how many there were. I don't that see. That part I didn't see. Uh, I don't see. And there are upper deck trading cards. Okay. No, don't see it. Missed it out. Maybe Art bought each one. You I think he That's probably well, you know, maximum. Maybe that's two. why he couldn't be here today. He was doing the shoe drop. <laughs> He's home with the shoe drop. He's home with the shoe drop. Now, oh wow! So the bomber jackets are sold out. There was a wow man. I would have loved to have one of those. The uh, just the standard X Men bomber jacket. All this stuff is sold out. Wow, this is crazy. The uh, the crew necks are not sold out. Xavier University uh, crew necks are gone. Some of the t shirts are still there. Pretty impressive, man. I wish you would have told us this geek last week. So I maybe I could have. I didn't I know about it till yesterday. Maybe I could have jumped in on it. So um, yeah, pretty pretty awesome. Pretty awesome. They even have skate decks. Wow, that was crazy. So hmm. Yeah, well, there you go. Pin sets, the whole night. Well, I guess yards. you could start following. I think it was Nice Drop on uh, Instagram. They're the, the place that was announcing it that I yeah, saw. You know, I don't pay a whole lot of attention to Instagram personally. I'm still on Twitter or X, speaking of. That's a nice transition. X. Or X. <laughs> well, that's what Twitter is now. It's now X. Did you not know they changed? I did not know that. Elon changed the uh, the logo from the Tweety Bird to X. And so the speculation really? is he's wanting to make a, a super app, which in China, I don't know if it's it's not WhatsApp, but there are a couple super apps that allow you to do everything. It's like Facebook Messenger, WhatsApp, Twitter, and Amazon all rolled into one application. So you do not have to leave that ecosystem to do your life. Huh. I'm not sure I like that. Kind of just gathers everything in one place. It's kind of a... Kind of does. A security issue for me. <laughs> it, well, it's already gathered on your phone in one place. <laughs> yeah. So, but anyway, all right. Cool geeks of the week. You know, even though we missed art. Hey, we're going to do a rerun with Stan Brown. So, what do you remember about the interview with Stan Brown? Stan is a friend of mine who is, uh, compared to me for sure, a prolific writer. He's written several novels, some in the young adult. Uh, uh, genre and I think some um, more in the whatever the the next level is the adult but it's so I don't want to to uh, brand him too too narrowly but like it's uh, paranormal sort of fan fantasy kind of uh, genre so there's a there's, there's people with magic in his books oh awesome. that way yeah well we have a that's little- very very <laughs> Very simple. We have a little bit of magic of ourselves through the uh, the magic of uh, of electrons being able to be duplicated on at the server level. After the break, we're going to bring you our interview with Stan Brown. 
Okay, we're back, and uh, we finally got rid of Robbie. I can't believe he just showed up here. I mean, I we thought he was in Vegas. We thought we had a good shot of doing this for ourselves and actually get to say a few things, but uh, he kind of <laughs> came in and took over. Such as it was, yep. Yeah. All right, well, we're, we're glad to be back. We have a special guest with us today. I think you'll find him very interesting. Uh, I'm going to let Jay introduce our guest and, and kind of take the lead on the interview, but uh, I'll just say welcome. Glad to have you here. Jay? All right, yeah, so I just to give a little backstory about – Ten-ish years ago, um, I was a part of something here called the Startwell Writers Group. And through that, I met Stan Brown, who's with us here today. Stan, good to have you. Good to be here. Thanks a lot for having me. So Stan, at that time, was in the beginning stages of writing some uh, some novels. And um, I was more in the nonfiction aspect of it, but I got right. a chance to beta read some of his stuff. And okay. So anyway, just been following him, and he's you know, a local guy. And um, But before we get into the books... I guess first of all, just maybe kind of tell us some just some background on yourself. Like I know you haven't uh, you're a writer, but it's not just been novels. You know where are you from? That sort of thing. Yeah, I'm an academic. I uh, from Louisiana. Have have moved through the institutions in Mississippi. <laughs> Do- doctorate at Southern Miss, and uh, my first real academic appointment was at the University of mm-hmm. Mississippi, and I'm. Um, Looking to end my career at Mississippi State. All right, so, so the big three, you've covered the, them all. The big three, I've covered them. How long have you been here at State? Uh, I'm in my 15th year. Okay. Okay. So I've been here quite a bit, and I love Starkville. Sorry. That's all right. We're, we're both on this grad, grad, so, so yeah. I, I was at Oxford for 10 years, so. Uh, okay. okay. Well, we have we, we love Oxford here, so yeah. Yeah. now that Robbie's gone. Yeah. <laughs> but we're fond of Starbucks as well. Exactly. Yeah. Well, we live here. Yeah. yeah. So. so did all the uh, academic writing, uh, you know, part of the job, publishing research uh, into the scientific uh, literature, uh, several academic books. To tell you the truth, I got bored. Yeah. And in about 2005, I said, you know, I have a couple of stories in me, so I start writing down ideas and... Several books later, I'm still at it. Okay, okay. great. But before – I want to get into some of the books and some of the process and that kind of thing. But I do want to say, <clears throat> last time I saw you, uh, this is a few months back, um, I learned something about you that I was unaware of at first, and that is you have a very strong opinion on uh, comic book uh, universes, shall we say. Mm-hmm. So you're a fan of – Marvel Comics. For sure. And so what makes you – I've noticed on your Facebook page you've got quite a quite a few articles that – And that his shirt posted. is Doctor Strange with right. the Sorcerer Supreme on it. Very cool shirt, <laughs> by the sure. way. Yeah. Yeah, but so so tell us a little bit about that background. That's even in your bio if you look, if you look you up yeah. online. I mean, it formed my growing years. I mean, when I, I don't know how I was introduced to comic books, probably in – one of the local Packasack stores. We're, we're talking the early '60s, right? Late '50s, early '60s. So I'm dating myself. Uh, but um, used to buy just tons of Marvel. This is the Silver Age, right? Okay. We're talking about when, uh, basically, when Stan Lee took over as the major um, driver right. of, of the comic. Um, I was reading as a kid, mm-hmm. eight, nine years old. 10 years old, reading stuff. Where were my parents? <laughs> no kid should have been reading Doctor Strange and yeah. all the strange things they were getting uh-huh. into <laughs> at that age. But uh, still a Doctor Strange fan, and uh, Marvel has exploded into the cinema with very good um, movies, by the way. Yeah. And so Doctor Strange, as we record, it's, I think it releases a week, about a week from now. Yeah. 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 Early April, early uh, May. Okay. Mm-hmm. So you were there, and... 
I think Jay's setting this up because I'm more of a DC guy, but I, I find myself, I mean, I've never really made the distinction. I'm, I'm, I'm DC and Marvel, and I think I'm probably about uh, nine or 10 years younger than you are. But you were there, if you were reading in the 60s, you were there as the uh, evolution. Evolution is not even right. It was more of a revolution in comics that Stanley, Jack Kirby, Steve Ditko were doing. Uh, the, with, Marvel, the Marvel method. Yeah, it with was, Fantastic it, Four, then you mm-hmm. had Spider-Man, and then you had the X-Men, that one, two, three punch, and then you have Ditko and uh, Stanley combining on on Doctor Strange through mm-hmm. Amazing Tales. So you were seeing that as it happened, right? I was writing letters to the editor. Oh, were you really? To Stan Lee. Wow. Because if you read the the, the old comics, yeah. all the way at the back, you'll see some yeah. letters from kids. Uh-huh. I don't know if I ever made it in. Yeah. But I remember pinning these things. I have. I don't wow. think. I don't think there were. I think they got caught, so they're not available anymore. But I have uh, DVD collections that are the first forty years, and they're just scans. I mean, they're not even, you know, cleaned up or whatever. But they're scans of comic books, and they do everything, including the letters page. So it's cover to cover. You have all the old ads, and the first forty years of I've got Spider Man, uh, I've got Fantastic Four, and I've got the X Men. And you can see the letters pages. Well, J.R.R. Tolkien, not J.R. Tolkien, George R.R. R. Martin <laughs> has a letter in there. Yeah. Wow. And I actually really? see it pop up. Yeah, really? you see it. Wow. He goes, uh, wow. You'll did this wrong, blah, 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 he's blah, blah. You know, why didn't you kill off Spider Man? <laughs> why didn't you kill off Spider Man right at the beginning? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, <laughs> That's yeah. what I would have done. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Unfortunately, by the time 1968, yeah, I was in the ninth grade, and our house burned down. Oh no! Uh, the fall of well, that, sorry for several reasons, but it's year. a comic book. Fan. But I lost about two thousand pristine comics. Oh my gosh! I, I, well, I, I was, forgot about my, that. You my about uh, that. my brother and I, he was a year younger. Uh-huh. We, we shared a bedroom, but I had the closet. Yeah, and it was all Marvel. Oh, that's all. And that stuff went up in smoke. Oh and man! I'm talking about I kept them in good yeah, shape. Yeah, yeah. Because I'd been collecting. Uh, uh-huh. I was ninth grade. And I stopped reading at that point. Yeah, you know, coming into high school. Oh yeah, b- yeah. bigger things, girls. Uh huh. That's right. Girls. That's right. <laughs> yeah, happening. Yeah. And I just stopped uh-huh. reading at that point. Only took it back up in my um, early fifties. Yeah. Okay. Really. So mm-hmm. okay, that's that's uh, like the same same kind of uh, path for me. I can remember one of the first comics I ever got was uh, a DC comic, one of the the super annuals, and it has the Neil Adams cover with everybody flying across it. And uh, it's a collection, so you're seeing old stuff like Lufan, kind of uh, Condor Man and all this stuff, Mm -hmm. or Black Condor, rather. and uh, so it's really, and, and that's the same way. I mean, a, either a drugstore or a grocery store had the rack, the spinning rack, which I still wish I had. Do you have one of those? Oh, yeah. God, see, that's awesome. <laughs> uh, uh, and uh, yeah, I, I lived for the monthly. Yeah. Dad, yeah. take me. I got to go. I yeah, yeah, see yeah. What's new. <laughs> yeah. 25 I actually, cents. I, I can remember spending 25 oh, cents. Yeah. Oh, time. yeah. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And I can I'm remember not. when they went up to 50. It's like, this is going to, what is this going to do? You know? <laughs> yeah. But same thing. High school kind of dropped off. Really, even into um, college, although people were starting to do stuff. So it was after. I went to after I got a job and was living in Memphis, and there was a comic book store, and I'd never seen one, so I saw a lot of independent comics that I had no idea even existed, you know, and, and may not have. They, they didn't when I was a kid, but you know, that was really kind of an eye-opening thing too. Mm-hmm. But that's interesting. That's very interesting. Um, cool. 
Well, I want to talk to you more about that. Spinning rack is cool. But let's talk about your book stuff, too. Yeah, so what what would you – I know I've read them, so I, I kind of know the answer, but I want to uh, ask a specific question. What sort of genre would you classify most of your books, or all of them maybe? Uh, I, I would call call them all overarching paranormal thrillers. Okay. Okay. Now, you know, some of them can be probably better classified as contemporary fantasy Okay. But I like to write things that are centered in the real world. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'll use real places and uh, okay. names in the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's something you can kind of you can see and touch. You know, you know, the setting is recognizable. Mm-hmm. I don't make things up. Uh, but contemporary fantasy, paranormal thrillers can go in there. My my debut was a paranormal thriller, sure thing, and. A mixed genre. All of these t- things also tend to be mixed genre. Uh, the legacy paranormal thriller, but it has um, uh, aspects of political thrillers in there. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you have a bombing in Washington D.C. Right. from terrorists. Okay. But the book also has ghosts in it. Oh, so. that's well. Well, I think that's why I wanted you to kind of clarify because. For somebody like me, when I hear the word paranormal, I think of ghost hunters, ghost hunters and things like that. But yours, from what I've read, and I've read the legacy in about halfway through Veiled Memory right now, there's it's not just ghosts and it's not just witches and wizards. It's it's a other right. aspects, other things, right? And, and I, I, it's hard to do because literally everything is out there, been there that way for years. I try to have a fresh take on things, mm-hmm. try to put something. No one wants to copy. Somebody will pick it up and start reading and say, well, I, I read something just like uh-huh. this and better done. So I try to, the plots are fresh, mm-hmm. and um, or at least I think they are. Mm-hmm. Are, um, yours, are, are they series books? Or are they all one-off stories? Or uh, do you have the current legacy, characters? The legacy so far is a one-off, but uh-huh. I have... Uh, I tend to, um, you know, not write a actual denouement at the end uh-huh. to make it a single book. Uh, tend to write open ended. So okay, that I can so you go. can pick it up. I do plan to continue the legacy. Okay, go forward with that character. Uh-huh. Okay, and that was Harry Black, as I recall. Right. Is that right? The Harry Black character set in uh, around in and near Jackson, Mississippi. Okay, okay. cool. So you've got. Um, the Legacy was your first one, your first published one, anyway. Mm-hmm. And then uh, the two, the first two of the Stonehenge Chronicles, is that right? Right. Uh, Veiled Memory, and then the third factor. Right. So, and then the Fallen Wizard. Is that the most recent one? I was hard. I, I didn't it, look at copyright is, dates. It is the most recent. Okay. A, a children's fantasy. I wouldn't call it paranormal, but a okay. pure fantasy uh, called Fallen Wizard. Okay. Cool. So you got four out there now. Is that right? right. Okay, because I was. I, this is something that I just noticed when I was looking for the list um, that there was another one with a different title that also says Stonehenge Chronicles Volume One. It was like Phoebe Allen and the Quantum Sorcerer. Is that right? Is that, that was that a title change? That one was uh, never published. Okay, hmm. just a cover. It, it, it was never published, uh, although fully written and ready to go. With that particular book, I had won a, uh, a New York City um, agent, okay, literary agent, uh, Ethan Ellenberg Literary Agency, well-known, New York City. Uh, 
They never could do anything with it. Okay. Oh. So, so we dissolved our agreement. Yeah. So it, it on the cover, at least, that I saw, it was listed as the book one of the Stonehenge. Right. But now this and is I, listed and I, as – And I switched – I'm pointing to veil memory. I switched the book you're talking about that was never published from a purely children's book to um, a young adult adult book. Okay. Okay. And I switched it from first person to third person. Okay. So and did that, that become? And that became Veiled Memory. Okay, so the and Veiled Memory is out there, fully published. Okay, right. so the and content was is pretty much the same. Just pretty much tweak. the same. Uh, the only difference in that, in first person, you're limited to um, the main character. Right. Everything's mm-hmm. from, right. Everything's from her eyes, and l- literally, uh, the main character is in every scene. Okay. Right, you, right. Usually in first person, uh-huh. but I switched that, and I now have a. Um, multi-point-of-view mm-hmm. novel right? because, uh, you know, the main characters stayed the same, or at least a couple main characters, but now have other scenes with adult characters in there. It, right. It's an adult book, meaning okay. uh, I, I advance the age. They're like the of, reading level. The, the, right. No, I advance the age of the characters from initially I'd started with 12-year-olds. Oh, okay. They became... Uh, almost graduating high school, so 17 on the cusp of 18. Okay. okay. And in order to make it adult. Okay. How do you handle publishing? What do you do? <clears throat> publishing? Are you self-published or what? Do no, you... uh, these are published by. Um, uh, Black Opal. Look Black at the back. <laughs> you can pick up the book. Jay. I've got the books right here. The, the reason why I had a mental blank there is because I I've dissolved my contracts with Black Opal. All the books have now been pulled back to me, okay. and I have another publisher who okay. we we are putting we will put them out. Wow! Okay. Same title, new cover. Okay. And I'm adding a uh, the the Stonehenge Chronicle is a trilogy, but I'm adding a fourth book. Oh, okay. Well, I was going to ask when so the third re- one was coming. Or? We're refreshing. Okay. The yeah. third one now becomes the fourth one. Oh, okay. <laughs> so you have to write the third one in between them. The process is interesting right now, but, <laughs> sure. uh, but I'll end up in the Stonehenge Chronicles with uh, four books. What is your What is your process writing? How do you I have an idea for? Or you have several books going that you're working on, or do you? I, I tend to have several books actually, uh-huh. <laughs> doing in, including academic stuff since I'm still employed by the university. Uh-huh. I just published two academic books last year. Okay, uh, all the while trying to progress that series we've been talking about. Uh, the process is uh, get an idea, idea and run with it. Uh-huh. Um, I mean, I, I have a uh, process. Uh, early on, when I took up non—I'm sorry—fiction writing, uh, you know, I read everything I could about how to produce a novel. Yeah. Um, you know, generally speaking, you have those who are by the seat of their pants writers, yeah. and those who will uh, have uh, everything planned out mm-hmm. from first scene to last scene right. in detail. For instance, I I uh, reviewed what John Grisham does. Uh-huh. <laughs> John Grisham will literally have a paragraph for every chapter in his book. Hmm. So it's all planned out. Yeah. And then he fl- f- just goes back and fl- gets from one paragraph to another. Fleshes right? it out. Yeah. Fleshes it out okay. from there. I tried that. I can't do that. Yeah. I write from the seat of my pants. Yeah. Seat of my pants. When the story takes off is when the characters start to become alive uh-huh. and, and they 
literally, it's sort of paranormal. Yeah. They write the book. They write the book for me because uh-huh, they, take, awesome. they, they, yeah. they take a light a life of their own. Uh-huh. Now I have a target goal. I usually have the last scene in yeah, my Yeah, you know where you want to get to. So. Where I want to get yeah. to. And I know the length of the novels I'm dealing with, typically about 100,000 uh-huh. words, adult length. Uh, and uh, I'll, I'll write and edit as I go along. It's a long process. After I finish the book, I'll go through it several more times. If I see I have a lack of a scene here and there to make connections, you just simply fill in. Yeah. Do you find yourself surprised sometime by how you get to that point? I do. And I picked up a very good um, technique from Philip Pullman. Do y'all know who that is? I don't know that name. Uh, Do y'all know the His Dark Materials? Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, yeah. Yeah. uh, Series. Is that him? Philip Pullman. Okay. He will... uh, write his novel, and then every scene in his novel, he'll condense every scene to a three-by-five post-it note. Wow. And put all the scenes on his wall uh-huh. in his I've office. seen people do that before. And you'll have, in one vision, your entire novel, instead of having to flip page to page yeah. or on a computer, try to scroll and find a particular uh-huh. scene, the scenes are there. And he can check out the flow because pacing is very important exactly, in yeah. novels. Mm-hmm. And he'll check out the flow and if he has to pull one scene he'll just pull the post-it note from a location stick it at the Move end right. or stick it in the middle of the third act right. or wh- whatever. Or possibly just cut it all together and if he cut can. It. Yeah, uh-huh. And that's what I've done and that works. Yeah. I'll tell you that Philip Pullman's technique is that's, not my that's technique. Very it's much this. similar to storyboards and, and movies it, where it's, you see it's those. It's a storyboard. Yeah. yeah. And Anne Lamont does that in her Bird by Bird book. She talks about okay. index cards and, and just laying them all out and completely revamping a book. Yeah. Because if you're a visual method. learner, yeah. you, you can see it in one field of vision mm-hmm. and you can get up close and read what you've written and, and remember because you know you write your story and you, what did I do in right. this chapter now mm-hmm. you got to go back and see because you, uh-huh. you forget it's yeah. easy to do you forget things yeah. like you know the, the, the age of a character and yeah oh yeah they see, do you did have, i write them blue eyes or brown eyes okay so seat of the pants stuff but do you have things like a bible that you use to start with and, and like a character descriptions or you know I, I don't put those types of formal things together yeah what i do put down on paper is lots and lots of notes okay because i'll think of things i'll be walking jogging uh-huh. whatever mm-hmm. and then go back home with just a head full of stuff yeah. if i don't get down in notes i'll forget yeah and there were I'm good thoughts way. and i've used that repeatedly uh, you, you mentioned notes and post-it notes and those kind of things are you tactile are you actually handwriting a lot of this stuff or are you you typing? i know like stephen king still writes everything uh, on legal pads right legal pads okay handwritten okay okay very quick i don't want to Type, try to print out. No, very quick. I have just piles and piles of this stuff. Uh-huh. That, and then you transcribe when, it to when I when I have something that I've accomplished in the book, I'll go and check that off. Okay. I don't even I don't have to think about this line now mm-hmm. anymore because I've written it into the narrative. Uh-huh. Uh, either in dialogue or, or prose narrative part of the novel. Interesting. Yeah, that's great. So you uh, that I'm I'm already I'm always impressed by novelists because I'm cause I'm a nonfiction writer, and I'm more impressed by short form, really, like uh, a short story. Uh-huh. 
to get that point across in, a, That's in fiction. fewer words. Uh-huh. Mm-hmm. But, man, those few words, i got to have the long form because yeah. I don't know how to do it in the short form. Well, the way you were talking about, you know, having your – writing by the seat of your pants but having an end goal. I mean, Alex said I'm about halfway through the veil memory right now, and there's a lot going on. So that – I'm just – impressed by the fact that you've got these sort of multiple stories that are weaving together yeah. little by little and do well, you set the like I don't want to spoil anything but there's kind of two or three main tracks going on yeah did you yeah. write each track and then blend them together with your post just or? comes together seat of the paint okay paint. but what what you have in mind you have to write what you like right yeah sure or and what you know now I'm writing uh uh, paranormal, so I don't know paranormal in my worldly uh-huh. experience. Uh-huh. But um, what you uh, have to do is um, just uh, write what you like. What I like is plot-driven fiction. Mm-hmm. Okay. Character-driven, very important. In fact, probably sells more books to be character-driven. But I, I, the stuff I like is very plot-heavy. Mm-hmm. Okay. And that's the tendency, something that will literally go over several novels. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like plot heavy, and so you, for, for plot heavy, you got to have multiple lines of plots going right. at the same time. And and I don't write mysteries, but each one of the thrillers that I write has a mystery in there sure. that the character is trying to solve. Mm-hmm. Uh, I wouldn't describe these books as mysteries, though. That's that's a separate genre. Yeah. Uh, but you can have mysteries in anything you write. You know. Yeah, for sure. In. So let me let me think here. Uh, while you're looking yeah. at that, so how would we? I know uh, Jay shared with me a Facebook page and a web link, but uh, what's the best way to to get your book right now? Is it? Uh, uh, you talked about changing publishers, so is this a time to do that, or should we wait till the publisher? I think you're going to have to wait. Yeah. Okay. And what I've done is I've pulled them from the the publisher I had because of issues. Uh, they changed their hands, the owner, uh-huh. and became. Yeah, just wasn't the same situation. Yeah, uh and so uh, I've got a marvelous uh, publisher right now uh, and chief editor, and uh, we're going to repackage a lot of these. Yeah, put them back out. Okay, so you've got, um, but there are some available locally though, because I bought mine here. Oh, you can get them like at uh, Starbucks and Nobles. Barnes and Noble. Okay. Okay. Yeah, they have a faculty author section. Right. Yes, I've seen that. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Great. So I was wondering too. You uh, mentioned this. Go however, ahead. my my children's book, uh, Fallen Wizard, uh-huh. is with a new publisher, but it's out there now. Oh, okay, it's not going with the same publisher that okay. I have my adult books going. All with. right. So you can still find uh, that uh, Fallen Wizard out there. Just just uh, Google it. Look at Amazon. Okay, and, and it'll be S, it'll S, be under S P Brown. S P Brown Fallen yeah. Wizard. And what's the website? Or just a, we'll put it in the S P Brown mm-hmm. Okay, no punctuation, just all together, no, right? right. S P no Brown's book. S P Brown Books plural, books, plural dot, com. dot com. Okay, yeah. So going back to what you're saying about the uh, you know paranormal is not part of your day to day experience. But in this book that I'm reading now, there's a lot about Celtic culture and history and runes. And so did you have to – Is that was that an interest of yours that you just pursued? Or I'm sure you had to do a little homework on that yeah, aspect. That, that particular story, it will end up being a four-book uh, series. And um, that, that was my first uh, story idea. Uh-huh. It didn't become my n- debut novel. 
mm-hmm. legacy idea came along and I got it out there pretty quickly but I all the while kept writing on my initial storyline I have a couple of interests in the world mm-hmm. uh, one is uh, the biblical story mm-hmm. uh, Genesis chapter 6 um, the flood mm-hmm. yeah uh, all that stuff and I also have an interest in Stonehenge mm-hmm. so I connected the two wow okay <laughs> uh, you say, how do you do that? Stonehenge. <laughs> That's what I was, yeah. Stonehenge. The last, I didn't want to spoil the book, but yeah, the I'm very curious. Last time I checked, Stonehenge was in Britain, yeah. And um, Noah lived in the Middle East, but, uh-huh. and also and you'll find out in veiled memory, uh, runes have never been discovered in the uh-huh. Middle East. Mm-hmm. So where did that come come from? Mm-hmm. But anyway, runes is uh, a part of that. Uh, the uh, the runic writing, uh, Upper European, Scandinavian, yeah. Uh, Celtic uh, origin. Um, what I wanted to do, and I'll tell you the backstory of how I got started with this. I've been a Harry Potter fan. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. J.K. Rowling. Right. Oh yeah. My girls, when they were growing up, mid to late nineties, discovered Harry Potter. I don't know how. I think from a friend. Got into that as we changed the decade. Uh, we were reading. Yeah. That in the house. Yeah. So I really liked what she did was putting a clandestine group in the real world, but hidden. Yeah, mm-hmm. those were her. Those, that was her wizarding world. Right. right. Uh-huh. They were real in current day world, hidden. Yeah. I like that. What she didn't do was explain where they came from. Ah. Mm-hmm. Explain yeah. their origins. The origins. Yeah. So what I wanted to do was create a clandestine group in the real world, and in the course of my story, with another interest I have of Stonehenge, explain the origins of this clandestine group. Mm -hmm. Because my story is contemporary, just like uh, Harry Potter. It's in in this, the world we live in, on this planet, right? Uh, So, I mean, one of the settings in Veiled Memory is Manhattan, Mm -hmm. New York City. Yeah. uh, And and upstate New York, in Ithaca. so real world clandestine group that has a about a 3500 year backstory. Wow, that's cool. Dating back to yeah. the origins of Stonehenge uh-huh. which goes back to about 3500 BC. Yeah. Well, it makes sense to me that uh, And by the last scene of the last book you'll know why Stonehenge uh, how it got there, why it got there, what it was used for. All right. Yeah, well, I'm something to, to look forward yeah, to. No I was just going to say it makes sense to me that a comic book guy, and especially a Stan Lee fan, would understand the importance of an origin story. So, you yeah. Know? Yeah. 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 So, I, I, so I th- we don't know much about Stone. You know, we off studied, still no defense. Yeah, there's still no, no understanding of what it's, you know, nothing defended. How it came to be or, yeah, what's going on with it. Well, and I'm sure all, all our listeners in England will be excited. That's today. right. That's right. <laughs> Actually, the, the third factor is important in, in getting that understanding. So, okay. So, I, I really dislike dystopian yeah. stuff. Yeah. I will say that my last book in the series will end up being a little bit dystopian. Oh, really? I, and I can't <laughs> yeah. believe I'm saying that because uh-huh. I don't like even reading, and I've never read dystopian novels, mm-hmm. hardly ever look at dystopian movies. Yeah. And it seems to be such a popular genre. I know. In my last book, it's going to be titled The uh, the Fourth Turning, mm-hmm. is dystopian. Okay. 
that's the last thing I'll tell you. All right. Well, Sam, thanks so much for coming in today and being with us and I'm, I'm inspired by your process and your yeah I'm going to be checking your books out I'm going to look for when they're at the okay, new publisher good. yeah Thank so that'll you. be good uh, and uh, like I said we, we need to have you back we need to talk uh, comics because it's just it's, it's fascinating to me to talk to somebody that uh, you know was there and saw that again but uh, but the books are just are, are really fascinating and, and Jay suggested you as a guest earlier in the week and I hadn't had a chance to look at anything yet but now I'll, I'll know to go ahead and look for the new published version of it okay well we'll do this again sometime yeah. sounds yeah. good thanks so thank much thank you for the opportunity alright alright well that's guys of a certain age and uh, we'll be back I guess next week I'm not sure in what configuration if Robbie's going to track us down again or whatever but uh, look forward to seeing you again and make sure to like and subscribe and uh, we'll check you out later adios adios